Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this new beginning. Thank you for the 21 days that you led us by your spirit to seek you, to seek your uh, presence uh, by humbling ourselves in fasting and then coming to you in prayer. Thank you for the grace that you bestowed upon us. And thank you particularly for answered prayer, for hearing every single prayer that has been raised to you and then for answering. We trust you for manifestations in all of our lives. Today we come before you again and we just uh, bask at your feet. We see that your feet, Lord Jesus, our eyes are on you, Lord Jesus. And we ask Holy Spirit that you do what only you can do, which is to just give us revelation knowledge, deeper knowledge and insight into the knowledge of our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, breathe upon us today, breathe upon your word, just illuminate your word in the way that only you can, so that we will come into an even deeper place uh, of, our, of intimacy and relationship with you. Please take control and take all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, good evening again, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, um, welcome to today's Bible study. There are two questions that I want to ask. Um, I'll ask it again some point in the, in the middle of our discourse this afternoon. Two questions that I wanted to start with. And um, it'd be great if you can just think about it. Don't answer now. Um, just uh, don't don't bother putting a, an answer in the chat box. Um, just think about it. Two questions. First question is, what does God hate the most? What gives God the most displeasure? What just does God? I mean, pardon the phrase phrase, but what just does God's head the most? That's the first question. Um, don't put answers on the chat box. Don't worry, we're going to come back to it. We're going to come back to it. Um, so what does God's head the most? And then second question, I'm going to read from, um, from Exodus chapter 20. So we're talking about worship and we're, we're going to continue today and look a bit deeper into worship. So second, um, Exodus 20, I beg your pardon. Uh, we talked about worship. And I'm going to read, this is the first commandment of God to his people. He had given commandments to individual persons. Abraham, he said to Abraham in Genesis 17, walk before me blameless. Um, and then this is the first commandment that is given to the collective people. Exodus 20 from verse 20 says, I am the Lord your God from verse 2, I beg your pardon. 20 verse 2, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of, slave, of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth 
or in the sea. Verse 5, you must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. Second question, ladies and gentlemen, what does God mean when he says that he's a jealous God? So two questions. First is, what does God hate the most? What does God's head? What annoys God? Second question is, what does he mean when he says he's a jealous God? So think about it. We'll come back to those questions as we go along. So we're going to go into, we're going to go back into worship, talking about worship. And for about 10 minutes quickly until our declaration, I'll do a quick summary of what we talked about last week for the benefit of those who are not here. Um, if you're not here last week, you can still listen to um, the, the, the discourse on podcast. Uh, but just to remind us, so what is worship? We said the first thing is, let's understand what is worship? What is worship? Now, worship, the word worship is actually made up of two words, worth and ship. Yeah, those, those are two words. And it indicates uh, ascribing worth to God, the worth of God, worship. But then in, in, in a practical sense, we said, what does it mean to us? And um, the, the 10 things that we identified, I'll go through them very quickly. And remember that the entirety of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about the worship of God. Every, you know, just think about it. Anytime you read the Bible, believe me, it is about the worship of God. So what does it mean to worship? Number one, we said it means to acknowledge God. Number two, we said it is to honor God. So whatever it is that we're doing, that is acknowledging God is worship. That is honoring God, respecting God is worship. Number three, worship is when God is the foremost in our minds. He's the priority. He's the, the, the first in everything. Number four is when we bow before God, when we humble ourselves before God, we come to God with humility. Um, that, that's worship. So anything that requires us to bow our knees before God. So that's why we said fasting is actually a form of worship because we humble ourselves before God. Number five, worship is to value and treasure God. It becomes, you know, our treasure, the most important thing to us. All these things are important, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just note them for daily living. Um, number, number six, Worship, of course, is when we love and adore God, adoration. Number seven is when we seek God. You know, when we seek God, we want to get close to God. It is worship. Number eight, worship is when we fear God. We are in awe of God. We're reverencing God. And, you know, I'd love for you to take each one of these words in your private time and just think about them and walk them through daily living. Because you know, <laughs> when we talk about it later on, you'll understand because we, sometimes we're in awe of people, but we're supposed to be in awe of God, not people. Worship is admiration when we admire God and worship is when we glorify God. So those 10 things, you know, let, let them be at the fore of our mind. And then we said that don't forget, we must make a distinction between the essence of worship and the expression of worship. They're not the same. 
And more times than not, when we talk about worship, we're usually referring to the expression, you know, the praise, the lifting up of the hands. And those are the acts of worship, the expressions of worship. But the heart of worship is as important and the two must go together. Where there's expression without heart, it is not, it's meaningless worship to God. You know, when, when we're singing, but our heart is not on God, our heart is not acknowledging or adoring God. It's not, uh, it's not acceptable worship. And um, the, the, the scripture that we looked at, I'm going to run through the scriptures very quickly. So we looked at Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 15, and um, in verse, verses 7 to 9 or 8 to 9, let's just do 8 to 9 because of time. Matthew 15. Um, this is Jesus speaking. It says, actually, let me start from seven. It says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can see the distinction. The lips can express, but the heart, the heart is far. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And he's referring to Isaiah 29, 13. We can reference that. So we talked about what is worship. It's important we understand what worship is. And then we talked about how we worship God acceptably because God does not accept every form of worship. He doesn't. He doesn't. Let's be clear. So Genesis 4, we see the first example. Cain worships, Abel worships. The Bible tells us very clearly God accepted Abel's worship or his offering. He did not allow... Um, he did not accept Cain's. Why? The reason is because Cain's heart was not in the worship. He was not honoring God. All the things we talked about, he was not respecting God with his worship. Um, so how do we worship God acceptably? Again, key scripture we looked at yesterday. This is just a quick summary, and um, we'll do the declaration in, in a minute uh, when it's 7.14. So our key scripture John chapter 4, John chapter 4, and verses, John chapter 4, from verses 22, it says, believe me, uh, Jesus replied, verse 21, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. So he's dealing with four things very quickly. The location, it doesn't matter. You can worship God wherever wherever. It's not about the temple. It's not actually about going to church, incidentally. You can worship God wherever. And this is important. Just bear in mind, verse 22, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Number two, that the, 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 the worship of God is predicated on knowing God. If, if you don't know God, you can't worship him appropriately. So let's do our declaration is 714, 714. Let's do our de declarations together. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves, we pray and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord, forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And our land is healed in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. 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 Okay. Just continue the summary very quickly before we go into today's study. Um, so four things John Jesus says, uh, teaches us. First of all, location is not important. You worship God anywhere. Number two, very, very important. The worship of God must be predicated on the knowledge of God. He says, you don't know who you worship. Um, in Acts 17, 22, 25, I've just referenced that. You can note that for your reference. Uh, John, I'm sorry, Peter, Paul was walking through uh, Athens and he said to the people, I noticed all your inscriptions, all your religious inscriptions on your temples and, and they had on the label to the unknown God. He says, this God that you worship, you don't even know, but we know the God we worship. So knowledge of God. And then as importantly, he says, you worship um, while you Jews, um, we, for salvation comes from Jews, but the time is coming indeed is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And we said in spirit means from the heart, from the depth of your heart, your inner self, together with your emotion, with your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions together. Everything about you is employed in the worship of God, but also leaning on the spirit of God, because there's a spirit of God that helps us worship God appropriately. Uh, the same as prayer. Remember, we said prayer is worship. Um, um, so the same way that um, God helps us to worship, um, sorry, the same way that God helps us to pray by his spirit in Romans 8, uh, is the same way that we need the spirit of God to help us worship. And then in truth means that we have to worship God with sincerity. Um, and according to the truth of the, it's what the word says about God, not what you manufacture about God. What somebody thinks about God is what the Bible says about God. And um, we ended last week by then talking and starting to look at the lifestyle of worship. So Romans 12, chapter one, um, sorry, Romans chapter one, <laughs> verse, Romans chapter one, verse um verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1, we, this is where we ended. We said, Paul says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. What is Paul saying? That worship is more than the songs that we sing. More, worship is more than the prayer that we pray. Worship is more than coming into the sanctuary. It says our lives should be living sacrifices. We talked about that. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It means that our lives are totally surrendered, surrendered to God. We lay down our lives uh, to, 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 and, and just subject our lives to God in everything that we do. And that's what we want to discuss today, ladies and gentlemen, in the time that we have. I'm gonna go through it as quickly as possible, and then we can look through questions, um, whatever questions that you have. Um, yeah, so talking about the lifestyle of worship, there are many expressions. We've talked about the heart of worship, you know, what it means to really worship God is the adoration, the acknowledgement, the respect, the awe, uh, the, 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 the admiration. 
And then we express all these things. We express the love of God through the various acts, through uh, praise. Um, incidentally, I wanted to mention this very quickly. You know, we're used to saying when we're singing, praise and worship. There's no such thing as praise and worship. Everything is worship. What, what, what has happened invariably is that we've defined, or rather we've demarcated slow songs, we call them praise, and then, uh, uh, sorry, the fast songs, we call them praise, and worship songs, we call them worship. Whereas what the, the proper terminology is, you know, when you're praising God, you're exalting God, you're hailing God. And yes, most times it is with uh, exuberant fast songs. Whereas uh, when you, we sing uh, slow songs, more times than not, what we're doing is we are adoring God. You know, we're in that place where we're bowing before God. It is still all worship. But I guess the terminology has been ingrained, you know, so we say praise and worship. Everything in church is worship. We read the Bible, it is worship. You take an offering, it is worship. Several news, guess what? It is worship for as long as it is doing all of these things, adoring God, respecting God, and all of that. But today, I wanted us to look at two very important expressions of worship two very important expressions of worship. And um, there are two scriptures that we're going to look at, actually three, but two main scriptures that will be a focus today. The first is Genesis 22. Genesis 22, lifestyle of worship. So in Genesis chapter 22, from verse two, it says, actually, let me just start from verse one anyway. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham got called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go, I'm reading the New Living Translation. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Let me just pause for a second. Um, burnt offerings then were the expressions of worship. Um, burnt offerings were the way that God prescribed for people to come and express their worship to him. You know, all the things we talked about, they bowed before God, humbled themselves before God. He says, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him, I beg your pardon, and set out for the place that God had told him, uh, told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Verse five, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Please unmute or allow people to unmute. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will 
travel a little further. We will worship there and we will come right back. Remember I said to you, worship is made up of two components. The essence of worship, which is the heart of worship, and the expression of worship, which is the act, the things with the acts we do. So what is going on? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody want to go for this? What is going on? <laughs> You're looking at me. Uh, anybody want to volunteer? What's going on? We're talking about worship. Stay here. Mind you, God says, take your son and sacrifice him on the altar. And Obedience. Then, okay, explain. Um, um, well, God had asked him to, uh, God had asked him to um, sacrifice his, his son and he was doing as he, as the Lord had told him. Okay, thank you, very good. Pierre says he's acknowledging God and honoring what he told him to do. That's absolutely brilliant. Anybody else? It's all there in the scripture. What's going on? What's going on? We're talking about worship. Somebody said sacrifice is worship. Very true, but sacrificing what? I love this. Total surrender. Okay, Candice, a willing sacrifice is being made. There's something very important. Obedience. Yes, obedience, obedience. And we're going to come to that. That is the something, focus of our- Something of value. Sorry? Something of, worth, something of value. Thank you so, so much. I don't know who said that. He says, remember, there's nothing in the Bible is written for fun, ladies and gentlemen. It's all there. And God wants us to understand. That's why we studied the Bible. And the key was right at the beginning. He says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. What is God saying? You know, worship, remember, is about our love for God. It is about treasuring God above everything else. It is valuing God, that God is worthy. And incidentally, when I was taking my walk and I was praying earlier this evening, I said, I said you know, we, we, say, we sing songs like say, you are worthy of our praise, you're worthy of our praise, you're worthy of our adoration. We don't say we are worthy of our obedience. But ladies and gentlemen, what is happening is an incredible expression of worship because God knows Abraham has waited 25 years for this child, very, very dear to him, that you even emphasize, he said, the son you love so much, and go and, so what's God saying? Do you love your, your son more than me? If so, anything else you're doing cannot be worship in that sense, because it will not be coming from your heart. I hope somebody understands. But then, because of time, let's go very quickly. I want us to read the second, the second um, story, and then we'll kind of nail this. First Samuel chapter 15, you all know this story. Very, very 
interesting story. And by God's grace, we to get an understanding of worship. Let's read from a lot of verses, but let me let me read from verse 12. But quick paraphrase. Um, I, I don't know if you remember I said last week that um, um, the 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 in 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 first summer was the first time the children of Israel asked for a king. And that really annoyed God because God was saying, ah, don't you understand? I'm your king. I've been your king, I've been your, but they wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted to worship like the other nations. You know, they wanted something tangible that they could see. That's why they built the golden calf incidentally in Exodus uh, 32. Um, you know, they, they, they wanted to be like the other nations and God is saying, what's wrong with these guys? But he says to Sam, um, Samuel, anyway, don't worry. It's not you, they have rejected me. It's me, they have rejected. So he says, choose a king. And then you know the story, Saul is anointed king, and then he gives Saul a number of instructions. Uh, First Samuel 15, let's read together. I'm reading the New Living Translation. You can read in any version. It says, early the next, from verse 12, I beg your pardon. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Camel to set up a monument for him to himself, oh God. Then he went on to Gilgal. You know, the, the, when you study the Bible, you start to see the, 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 the things that are hidden there. He went to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. God has said to him, go and destroy all the Amalekites. Kill them completely. You can read um, chapters 14 and 15. He says, then what is all this bleating of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, the goats and the cattle, Saul admitted. Listen to this. He says, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. You know, I can imagine the way he said to him, stop. I can imagine the indignation. Say, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. Saul says, what did he tell you? And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? Let me just read that bit in the amplified, just to amplify. Although you may think little of yourself i'm sorry let me let me just find it again i kind of just lost it for a second 17 17 yeah okay samuel said in in, i'm I'm just digressing to the amplified to a second to make a point samuel said in verse 17 is it not true that even though you were small insignificant in your own eyes you were made the head of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go totally destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are eliminated. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? But instead you swooped down on the plunder with shouts of victory and did evil in the sight of the Lord. Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back 
Agag, the king of Amalek, and have completely destroyed Amalek. Sorry, let me just remove this distraction. Sorry. Yeah, and have completely destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, the sheep and oxen, the best of the things that were to be totally destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember that sacrifice, burnt offerings, was the method, the expression of worship. It was the way God commanded them to worship. So if you wanted to worship God, to honor him, to adore him, to exalt, exalt him, all the things we said, you brought sacrifice. He said, so we, we kept this oxen to worship God. Verse 22, Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Verse 23, for rebellion is as serious as the sin of divination, fortune telling, and disobedience is as serious as false religion and idolatry. And then he says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you as king. Uh, listen to this, verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed mm. their voice. I feared the people and obeyed mm -hmm. their voice. Now, please pardon my sin and return with me so that I may worship the Lord. What or Part of me, you know, each time I read it, I think, what effrontery. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Please tell me what is going on. Can we dissect this, this script, these verses of scripture? Very interesting. I see why you're laughing, Pastor, because after everything, he all the pomp and ceremony and everything, and, and now he sees the error of his ways and he's wanting to go back to, to, to God to be real about, about, um, about his worship in him. And the question is, the question is, you ask, does he really understand mm. what worship is? But yeah, please yeah. tell me, can somebody break, break this, the scriptures down for us, just so we understand, we're talking about a lifestyle of worship. Anybody? Um, I think, I think um, Pastor, I think that this is a case of someone who has um, self-esteem issues. Hmm or low self-esteem, and he's so focused on what people think, he probably, um, he's, he might be somebody who, even though God had put him in that position, he probably felt he had to earn it, kind of thing. So he's so focused on what, how people look at him or what, what people think about him, mm. that he's putting them before God. Okay. So that's, that's kind of the idolatry in, in there, because he's actually not focusing on God, he's focusing on people. And even when he's saying to Samuel, or oh, let me go back and worship. He's actually thinking that he can try and please Samuel. He's still not thinking about God. Wonderful. That's really interesting. And somebody just posted Galatians 1.10. It says, it comes to mind, it was, more, it was more about trying to please the people instead of pleasing God. Yeah. And then somebody says his expression of worship was wrong. He did not really, thank you so much. He did not really love God in his heart. He loved what God had done for him. You know, I would put it another way first. 
he don't he didn't really know God mm. because you remember the pagans worshiped gods they did not know if he knew God he would know what was on the heart of God and what pleased God anybody else what what are your thoughts he either places others above God or doesn't believe God is worse than number one spot in his heart. Very good. Okay, anybody else? No, any, any more thoughts? I think um, just like what people were saying in terms of he really wanted the praise of man. But I think also in terms like with Saul, how we can rationalize what God has said. Like it makes sense to keep the good cattle and then give that as what God had said. But and to offer that to him, and it was rationalizing it, and then with the people pleasing, it just seemed to make sense. Okay. Um, but sometimes, what God tells us to, even though we understand why, because they were idol worshippers and nothing is pleasing to him that they had, but he really wanted to rationalize it, please him, and look good in front of people. And sometimes obedience doesn't make sense, that's why you just go do it and do it quickly before okay. rationality okay. fantastic to me can you do me a favor can you relate that to john 14 when jesus was defining the way to worship god in spirit um, and in truth never mind so, the spirit because they didn't have the spirit of god like that even though the spirit would come upon them but how would you relate it to john 4 so god is telling us to work right god tells us to worship in spirit and in truth Mm. And then he still didn't follow what he had said. So first of all, it wasn't true actions in terms of what God had said. So if we're following in terms of obedience and trying to follow exactly what God has said, which is his word, is truth, mm. then he wasn't following that. He was deviating from the truth. Okay. Um, Very... And also, Yeah, sorry, go on, go on, finish up. And then finally, I was just going to say that. And also he wasn't like he was, they didn't have the spirit, but he wasn't doing it to please God. His actions was to please man and if you're worshiping in spirit it's not it's spirit focused not man focused or how this looks to other people your focus is on god okay okay thank you very much for that and remember in spirit and in truth in truth means to worship god sincerely and according to the truth about god's word yeah and like you said he, want, he was doing it his own way. He was doing what, if, in fact, if you read the whole story from a few chapters backwards, it's quite interesting because um, Samuel had said to him, um, um, wait for me before you go to war. Um, because he was, you know, the Philistines were coming, his people were afraid. He said he was afraid that, uh, that people were going to, were going to uh, what, what's called, his soldiers were going to run away. And then he went and sacrificed himself. Meanwhile, they were not supposed to sack part of the tr truth. Part of the law of God was that you don't sacrifice yourself. It's the priest that sacrificed. But um, so I don't miss some of the comments. I like this by Sophie. He says, uh, he made himself an idol by making a monument for himself. Can somebody just explore that for one second? What is going on? What is going on? And related to why, how Samuel was saying, how Samuel was saying, even though you thought little of yourself in the first place, you're small in the first place, but God chose you. How come he's making a monument for himself? Anybody? I guess he suddenly, he suddenly, he suddenly put himself in the place of God, really. He's beginning to think highly of himself. Highly himself, yeah. Okay, and we're going to come to that, but 
Let mm. me just address one or two things that people have said. Um, somebody said it's unfair to him. In those times, only the Samuels really knew God, God's mind. He did act out of what God said a king will do if they chose a human being to be the leader. That's not correct. Mm. And that there was one chat earlier on um, because God had given them his commandments. The commandments were meant to be before him. So he had no excuse. He knew what the commandments were. Um, but again, you know, if you study the antecedent to this, let me jump up. There was a comment before that. Um, somebody said it was being made a scapegoat. <laughs> and I wondered why you would say it was being made a scapegoat. Don't forget, this is the king. This is the person who represents the people. This is the person who, whatever you do, influences the rest of the people. And guess what? That's what happened when you read the book of Kings. You know, the Bible will start and say, this person did was what was evil in the sight of God and turned the hearts of the people away from God. So he wasn't being made a scapegoat. It was important that a king who was re their representative was representing God appropriately to the people. But let me go quickly because of time. Um, and I asked the question, some of, most of you were not there at the beginning. I asked the question. I said, what is the thing that annoys God the most? What is the thing that annoys God the most? Disobedience. A lying tongue or a deceitful tongue. Sorry? A lying tongue or a deceitful tongue. Okay, those are some of the things that annoy God. But what a is the one that... Unbelief. Disobedience. It, it is disobedience, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. It says, verse 22. Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Now, meanwhile, God is the one that instituted the expression of worship through burnt offerings and sacrifices. But then he says, as he has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than fat of rams. And then he goes on just to break it down for us. He says, for rebellion is as serious as the sin of divination fortune telling. And disobedience is as serious as false religion and idolatry. What is idolatry, ladies and gentlemen? What is idolatry? Idolatry is worshiping anything that is not God. What is the mm. first commandment that God gave? Exodus 20, we read that at the beginning for the benefit of those who were not here. Exodus 20 um, from, from verse 2. Thou shalt worship only the Lord your God mm. and nobody else. So God equates disobedience to idolatry. God calls it rebellion because, you know, it, it, it is setting up our wills against the will of God. It does not honor God. It does not respect God. It does not acknowledge God. It does not do all those things that we say worship is as is about about i i read someplace it says there's nothing so provoking to god as disobedience um it says it is as bad as to set up other gods as to live in obedience to the true god and i i wanted us to talk about this and look into it and for you to meditate later so that we understand that worship is more than 
our praise. Worship is more than our singing. Worship is more than uh, our praying and our fasting. All those things are expressions of worship. But what God wants, like Paul tells us in Romans uh, 12 verse 1, is that our entire life, our entire being is now worship. The things that we do, they're entirely worship to God. And one of the things if not, ladies and gentlemen, if I can dare venture, one of the most important things is obedience to God. Again, read the Bible. Every time God will say, if you obey me, if you obey me, if they will do this. Um, I didn't do this because they refused to obey me. Because disobedience is setting yourself against God, your will against God. And, um, and, and then... It goes further, ladies and gentlemen, and um, this is the last scripture. So we looked at Genesis, how um, Abraham's obedience was his worship to God. That was his sacrifice to God. He was ready to put Isaac down to say to God, you know what? I honor you more than this. I love this honor, <laughs> but you know what? I love you more than this son. He was ready to. But Saul we saw the converse but let me let's look at as we start to round up the ultimate act of worship we're talking about worship so the ultimate act of worship actually can anybody just help me what do you think as you read the bible jumps out to you as the ultimate act of worship what you've read and you're saying to yourself this is really what this worship about is about ultimate act of worship based on everything that we've said so far christ dying on the cross okay tell us acknowledge about acknowledgement of god uh, who, who acknowledged God? Who's acknowledgement of God? Our, our acknowledgement of God. You said, you, said, you said the ultimate act of worship? Yes, but no, I said as you read the Bible, what jumps out at you as the ultimate act of worship? Obedience. In, in the Bible. No, we've, we agree that obedience is central to worship. Sacrifice. Yeah? But what, no, what in the Bible jumps out as, at you as the ultimate example of worship, the ultimate example of worship. Jesus. Okay, what about Jesus? Trust in death. Okay, Sorry. Sorry. so Jesus said, Jesus said it. Um, so Jesus dying on the cross, yeah? But let me show you something, Luke chapter 22, Luke 22. Before Jesus got to the cross, I agree completely that Jesus's death on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice, like the Bible tells us, that was the ultimate. Everything before Jesus was expressed through the sacrifice of animals and everything. But the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus giving his body uh, as a sacrifice on our behalf, remember, you, you sacrificed because you were worshiping God, but the priest would be the ones that would present the sacrifice to, to, to God. So what Jesus does, he's, he does two things. First, he's our priest, our high priest, and then he presents not our sacrifice, but his own body as sacrifice 
to God, the ultimate. But listen, Luke 22, let's look at verses 41 and 42. Luke 22. Actually, let me start from verse 39 to, to um, give it context. And you know the story. Then, accompanied by, by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give into temptation. Verse 41. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus was obeying God's will. Okay. What is going on? Anybody else? Yes, Jesus, that's great. What's going on? Anybody else? What jumps at you? I think the humanity of it. Sorry? The, that it, the humanity of it. Yeah. Okay. That it wasn't an easy thing to do. It definitely was not easy at all. Definitely wasn't easy. I, I, I feel he didn't, he, he, if he had a choice, he wouldn't. If he had a choice, he would not. Yeah, and he okay. was struggling okay. with it. And that's why he went to pray to God. Yeah. But he still said, your will and not my will. Okay, so, but what was he saying? You're absolutely correct. So what was he saying? What was Expression happening? of worship. Sorry? Expression of worship. Thank you very much, John. How was he expressing worship? In obedience. Even though it's left for him, he wouldn't want to do it, but he was submissive to God's will. Okay. So, so ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget the tables. What is worship? Worship is ascribing worth to God. It's acknowledging God. It's honoring God. It's respecting God. It's bowing ourselves. It is putting God first. It is treasuring God above anything. Jesus, the Bible says, he says, he, 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 he let me say, he says, he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He was submitting his will, even though he is God. He was submitting his will to the Father. That was the beginning of the worship that ended up at the cross. And, you know, I wanted to point out this thing so we understand the, 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 the breath of worship, the, the essence of worship, so that we, 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 we start to, I'll, I'll make a statement at the end, um, you know, we start to emulate the true essence of worship. But that brings me quickly, I said two expressions of worship that I wanted to talk about. The first is obedience. And we've seen the examples in Genesis 2, Abraham, the second, um, and then we saw the opposite in Saul. And then we've seen the ultimate example in, uh, in, uh, in Jesus's example of just submitting to the will of God, surrendering to the will of God, honoring God above the way that he felt, you know, respecting the will of God. And then that led to his death on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. But there's another expression of worship. In fact, the two go hand in hand. 
In fact, I would dare say you hardly find, if worship is true worship from the heart, you hardly find one without the other. Can anybody guess what it is? And then we'll round up in the scripture. Anybody? Fasting and prayer? No, it's not fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer, you're absolutely right. They are expressions of worship. We, we pray because we are coming before God. Uh, giving sacrificially. Giving sacrificial is another expression of worship. Thank you, guys. These are all very important expressions of worship. So what else? What else? What else? What else? Trusting so in God. Trusting in him. Sorry. Totally and completely. Trusting oh. in God totally and completely. Okay. Uh, I was I going seen... to say giving your tithes, paying your tithes. Okay. I have seen the answers are really everything that you said guys are correct but i'm seeing the twin brother of obedience that is such a powerful expression of worship humility coming up. It, is, it is humility it is humility incidentally talk, talking about um um and talking about true worship um he, he, i'm sure you know by now that it's not the songs that we sing that mm. is the worship it's not the songs you know, you can be singing a song and your heart is far, far from God right, and all that. So it's not the songs. But then when we understand the importance of obedience and the role it plays in, in worship, you know, it, it changes our lives. The way our lives start to become living sacrifices. So I, I, was, I was thinking earlier today where, you know, there was, there was a day that I was coming to church. I was driving to church and woke up in the morning. And um, my wife and I, we had a thief. It was just, you know, one of those little thieves and stuff. You know, one of those disagreements where the other person thinks they're right, you think you're right, and you know, you're upset and da da da. And I was driving to, 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 to church. And then I got to church, you know, as I was walking into the worship center, I felt the Holy Spirit say, eh, what are you going to do? What are you going inside to do? What are you going to do? Guess what? The scriptures, the word of God just dropped in my spirit. I'm sure you know what it was. It says, if you have ought against anyone, or you know someone has ought against you, guess what you do? You put the you 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 sort it out, you put your sacrifice down on the floor and you go and sort it down. These are the things that show that we are honoring God. But guess what? You know, I could easily just ignore that, go and raise my hands and be singing and doing whatever it is that I'm doing. But then I am not worshiping God acceptably. But let me end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me end uh, with the last scripture very quickly. You know, the story, you know the scriptures. The twin brother of obedience. Very, very, very powerful act of worship. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. It says, um, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died the death on the criminal's death on the cross. Let me read it in the Amplified. Amplified. It says in the Amplified, where's verse 6? 
although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it. <laughs> That's interesting. He already had it or was afraid of losing it. But in verse seven, but he emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of, anyway, and, and the rest. Ladies and gentlemen, can somebody just tell me about what we've read? How does it minister to you? How does it influence your worship? How does it, what, what, what's the relevance to the fact that all we've said just now that obedience is critical to worship. It really is at the center of worship because to worship God requires that we uh, obey that, that. I'm talking about the expression now, the expression of our worship emanates from a heart that is obedient to God. How does this relate to what we've been talking about? Very quickly, we've only got three minutes. Anybody? I think you have to humble yourself before God. Just I think um, what you described, um, I mean, what I deduce from it is there's obedience and humility in everything. You just have to be humble. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly, we've only got two minutes. Anybody else? Like what I took from it is like if, I mean, if 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 I was in a position. Um, where I was torn between obeying God, I would have to remind myself of the fact that Jesus, even Jesus was, you know, humble, even though he too was God in, in himself, but he was able to humble himself and obey God's will and allow God's will to prevail. So I guess I, that's what I took from it, that I would just have to, you know, go against my will. Okay. Okay, any, any, any thought? Let's take one more thought and then we'll close out. Um, my thought I put in there was, I thought, how can I, can I afford really to be less humble than Jesus who humbled himself before the Father who is Very equal true. to? Because how, there's no way I can think that I can, I cannot be less humble than him. I have to be as humble. Okay. I have to, that, that has to be my desire. That's very true, May, but how, what's the link to obedience and why do I call it the twin brother of obedience? Because by being, if I think of the fact that I have to be that humble, I have to, without doubt, be obedient to God. If I'm not being obedient, then I'm not being humble. I'm not bringing myself to that okay. place of humility. Okay, so, so let, me, let me just help you. Remember what we said. Worship has two components, the heart of worship, the essence, the inner sense of worship yeah. that does those 10 things that we talked about. And then the expression 
of worship. So then would that be that my inner heart would be in a sense the obedience which may not be obvious to others but my humility no, is the, my expression the, the obedience is the act and the humility but, is the heart thank, my thank you sorry the other way around sorry yeah thank you much uh, cheesy that's what i wanted thank to you. End, that's what i wanted to end with see just like singing and praising the expressions, you know, when we're praising God, oh Lord, you're good, you're faithful. It's usually an expression of, you know, our feelings about God, his goodness and all. Obedience is the expression of a heart that is humble before God. Um, let me just very quickly end with this. Um, so I, I, I just felt led to, to search a bit and I looked up the Greek meanings. And um, it's eight o'clock, but just give me a few minutes. So in the Greek, the word obedient, um, or something like that, it means, it's actually two words. It means under authority. So when you're obedient, you're expressing the fact that you are under authority. And then the, the so two, two words, under authority and listening to what your superior is saying to you carrying out the orders that they've been giving you. That's what obedience is. So obedience is you're under authority and then you are carrying out the, 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 the instructions. You're supposed but, but, but the humility, um, I've forgotten the Greek word now, um, tem tempio or something. It means to be lowly and stoop to any measure that is required of you. Do you understand the connection? We cannot obey God appropriately if our hearts are not stooped down before God, humbled before God, lowly before God. So we can come to God and bow our knees and say, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. But then, if you're not being obedient in the things, you know, the day-to-day -day things God asks you to do, then you're not really humbling yourself. You're just, you know, it's just an act. The heart, the essence behind it is missing because humility, ladies and gentlemen, is that lowly heart before you, before God. It's that, that thing that just says, you know what, God, you're everything, I'm nothing. I am under your authority and I'm ready to carry out whatever orders you um, you have given me. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have to end. Um, sorry, uh, just one more scripture I wanted to read, please, just to, to okay. end. Uh, James James 4, um, and, and, and please, all the scriptures, meditate on them. James 4, verses 6 to 8, it says, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And he says, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom and instead of joy. And then verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Ladies and gentlemen, humility and the expression of that which is obedience is so critical to our worship, our lifestyle of, of worship. And I, 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 I wanted to just 
end with this thing that dropped in my spirit um, just to help to drive the point home. You know, we said prayer is worship because it's coming to God. Do you know that prayerlessness is often as a result of pride where we don't know to or don't understand to or need to go before God? I think I'll end there so that I will be a good boy. But all the things that we've talked about there for you to just go back into scripture, meditate on scripture, look at all the scriptures that we've talked about. Um, second question that I asked was, why is God jealous? Why is God jealous? Why is God jealous? God, when God says he's jealous, what he's saying is that I'm very particular about my affection for you and who you give your affection to. I'm very particular that you give your affection to me, not to others. And then I'm also very particular about my name. God protects the integrity of his name. That's why he says you worship no other God but God. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. 